98, Psalm 98, we'll be reading the nine verses of this psalm. Psalm 98, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, this has been a joy tonight to gather together and to sing some of the songs of Christmas. Uh, kids, I have a question for you. Which Christmas song do we sing that has no specific reference to any of the participants of Christmas? If you look through the Trinity Psalter hym hymnal in the section on the birth of Christ, we come to a song like, While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks by Night. It mentions the shepherds, one of the participants of that first Christmas. Mentions the angels as well, for that matter. If we look at number 311, Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. The angels coming to announce the birth of Christ. I just page through. I see angels from the realms of glory. Mentions angels. Mentions mention shepherds. Mentions the wise men. These songs all have specific reference to incidents in Jesus' birth. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round young virgin, mother and child. A very specific reference. Uh, angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing over the plain. O come all ye faithful, come to Bethlehem. Specific reference where Jesus was born. Even, even the new song that we sang tonight, Thou who wast rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake became in poor. Thrones for a manger dissurrender. Sapphire paved courts for stable floor. A reference to where Jesus was born. What is the Christmas song that we sing, kids, that has no specific reference to any of the participants of that first Christmas. It's a song that we're gonna sing in a couple minutes. It's a song that the choir sang for us tonight. And that song is Joy to the World. Probably one of the most beloved of the Christmas songs. 
But there is no explicit reference to Jesus coming as a baby. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. It speaks about his coming, but not as a baby. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Nothing specific to the incarnation. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And verse 4, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Probably one of the most well-loved Christmas songs, but no explicit reference to any of the activities of Christmas. That's probably because Isaac Watts, when he wrote this text, didn't intend to write a Christmas song. What he was doing was writing a theological paraphrase of Psalm 98. He took Psalm 98 and talked about the theology contained in that song and turned it into joy to the world. So I'm being a little bit loose with my title of the sermon tonight, as you can already imagine. I have the title, The Christmas Psalm, and my reasoning is this. If joy to the world is a Christmas psalm, and if it's based on Psalm 98, then this must be a psalm about Christmas in some way. If I was more careful with my words, I would refer to Psalm 98 not as a Christmas psalm, but as an enthronement psalm. It is a psalm which exalts the kingship of Jesus Christ. And in this particular section of the Psalter, we have a number of those psalms that exalt Christ's kingship. My Hebrew professor used to refer to these psalms as the Yahweh Malach psalms. Kids, Yahweh Malach means God reigns. God reigns. And we see that in this section of the Psalter. Back in Psalm 93, the psalm begins, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. Psalm 95, verse 3, For God is a great God, a great king above all gods. The reigning of God. Psalm 96, verse 10, Say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Psalm 97, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. And our psalm tonight, 98, a psalm about the reigning of Jesus Christ. It is a psalm which is beautifully put together. It has three uh, very simple stanzas. Uh, the first three verses form the first stanza. Verses 4 through 6 form the second stanza. And 7 through 9, the third stanza. And as I worked with this psalm, it's a psalm which could be understood in a couple different um, ways of putting the outline together. The three stanzas have reference to time. The first stanza references the past, the second stanza, the present, and the third stanza, the future. We could talk about this psalm in terms of past, present, and future. We could look at this psalm in terms of who is addressed in each stanza. In stanza one, Israel, as the people of God, is addressed. 
In stanza two, the nations are addressed. And in stanza three, creation itself is addressed and called to bring glory and praise to God. But we're going to look at this psalm tonight as it highlights for us the work of God's anointed who would come. He would come as Savior. He would come as King in verse 2. And he would come as, ju- as a judge in verse 3. This psalm helps us to give voice to our praise as God has sent his Son into the world. The psalm begins with a call to praise. Verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Sing to the Lord. Singing is an appropriate response to God's revelation of who he is. It's a natural response that we would join our voices in songs of praise to God. Notice what he says. Sing to the Lord a new song. Now, this is not my proof text when I pick something new from the Trinity Psalter hymnal. When the psalmist says, sing to the Lord a new song, What he is talking about is not something brand new, but some truth that we have known, which, because of the circumstances of our life, now suddenly becomes new to us. Maybe you've experienced that. Texts which you have perhaps known throughout your life, and then the Lord takes you through some particular trial or some particular joy, and you say, oh, now I get that text. Now I understand it. I can sing to the Lord a new song. It is is living in me now. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. He has done marvelous, the word also sometimes translated miraculous things. His right hand, his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Of course, for the people of Israel, when they think of God's right hand and his holy arm bringing salvation, they would think in very real temporal categories. The salvation that God brought by his right hand and his holy arm as he led his people out of captivity from Egypt. And certainly that was the case. But that that salvation event for them, as you know, is a picture for us of a greater salvation God has given to us. Not the release from a physical captivity, but the release from our captivity to sin. God's right hand, His holy arm, have worked salvation for us, His people. He has taken us out of captivity. We've been freed from the bondage of sin. Set free to walk in the ways of our God. God has sent a miraculous, a marvelous Savior. Sing to the Lord a new song. He has done marvelous things. His right hand, His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. Notice verse 2. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. This glorious one who would be our Savior is being revealed The Lord has made known this salvation. He's revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. Even the nations have to recognize this God is the true God. We think of that when He brought His people out of captivity. Even Pharaoh had to say, truly, this God is the true God. He's taken these people out of captivity. The nations could see it. God was bringing glory to Himself. 
by his mighty acts in the life of his people. In the sight of the nations, his glory is demonstrated in the sight of his enemies. Verse 3, he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness. God remembers his people. God does not forget us. In times of trial, in times of hardship, we are assured he remembers his covenant. He remembers his promises. He remembers each and every one of his own and will be with them in times of trial, in times of tragedy, in times of joy, in times of exaltation. God remembers his people. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. Tonight, we gather to bring praise, to sing songs, songs to God. For who he is, he has sent the most marvelous Savior to come and miraculously release us from captivity and give us new life. In the second stanza, the psalmist goes on, verse 4. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Now the address, not simply to God's people, but to the nations. Even the nations are to be brought in and to bring praise to God. And the idea here is somewhat of an unstructured praise. They would just, in their lives, bring praise to who God, who God is for what He has done. They can't be quiet. They have to speak about what He's done. We, too, have to share in that. In our daily lives, in a very unstructured way, but bringing praise to God by the things that we say, by the things that we do, by how we act in our homes by how we act at school, kids, with our classmates, by how we act at our jobs. We, in, 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 in living, bring praise to our God that the nations may see, that the nations may know who He is. There is this, this sense of unstructured praise. But then verse 5 and 6, this sense is more of a structured praise. Sing praises with the lyre, with the melody, with the trumpets, with the horn. All of these instruments would be those that were used in the corporate praise of God's people. When they gathered in assembly, in a structured way, to bring praise to God. Now it's certainly true that we can, by ourselves, in our homes... Bring God our praises. But there's a wonderful blessing of coming together as the body of Christ and bringing Him our praises. Bringing Him as an assembly, the worship which He deserves. There is a sense of these instruments, this lyre and the melody and the trumpets and the horns, a sense of, again, lack of a better term, a noisy exuberance in worship. And it's true. That in worship, we are to be reverent. But reverent doesn't necessarily mean staid and dour and boring. When we sing songs of praise to God, there should be a noisy exuberance in our praise. 
Uh, to me, the definition of noisy exuberance is watching the Sunday school kids sing. It is such a joy. They sing and bring praise to God with their whole body. There's a joyfulness there. We have to join in that, bringing that noisy, exuberant praise to God for who He is. He is the God who's come to us, to the nations, to the Gentiles, to those outside of God's chosen people. We have been brought in because He has sent a king, one who would be a victorious king. Again, from verse 6, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Our God is a victorious King. In verse 1, stanza 1, we have His work as Savior. In stanza 2, we have His work as King, the Lord. And this, this pair, this companion pair, must go together. That those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and what a wonderful blessing that is to have all our sins taken away, to be given His righteousness, those who know Jesus Christ as Savior must also know Him as Lord, as the one who is the King, as the one who directs our lives. We cannot have one without the other. We sing of the glories of this marvelous Savior, and then we sing that we have been, been given new life by our King, who is the victor over sin and death. And the one who, who now calls us to live and to work and to act in ways that please Him, to live under His kingship, under His lordship. He directs our lives. He directs our life as individuals, as families, as a church in our vocation. Our God is king. He rules over all. The nations recognize that kingship, and when they embrace him as Lord, they are brought in to bring praise as well. The psalmist concludes with his last stanza. Now, not calling simply God's people, now not simply calling the nations, but calling creation itself to bring praise. Verse 7, Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy before the Lord. A call to creation to bring praise to God. Psalms like this remind us of other psalms in the, in the Psalter, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands, a declaration of who God is. We could go back even to Psalm 96 in this same section. Psalm 96, verse 11. Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let the sea roar and all that fills it, let the fields exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. Even the forests sing for joy. Isaiah 55, the trees of the field shall clap their hands before God. This idea of creation bringing praise to God. Praise now and, and the anticipation of more praise to come. A text like this reminds us of, of Romans chapter 8, where even now the creation groans expectantly for something more, for something greater, 
when they can bring as a creation their full praise to God in the consummation of all things. Yes, we praise God now, but there is more praise to come. Praise Him, for He is a Savior. Praise Him, for He is a King. But in this section, praise Him, for He is a righteous judge. Verse 9. Let them bring praise before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people's with equity. We talked about that this morning, that Christ is a righteous judge. He is one that will judge properly, righteously, equitably. It looks us forward to that final judgment day when perfect righteousness, perfect justice will take place. We hear a lot about justice nowadays. Oh, the courts, if they'd only give us justice and a certain you know, verdict is handed down and some people say it's just verdict, some people say it's not just verdict. We want justice. This psalm reminds us there will be justice. We see the news now and we say, that just doesn't seem right. That just doesn't seem fair. That verdict just doesn't seem just. We will never say that in the final judgment. God will come and perfectly judge his people, and the nations. His people, however, have no fear for the judge. The judge is that same one who is our Savior. The judge is that same one who is our King. The judge will not forget that our sins have been paid for. We have been acquitted before the judgment seat of God. But he will come to judge. And for those who do not know, This Savior, this King, this Judge, they will find themselves under His righteous, just judgment. And so so God, through His Word, calls out to us once again tonight. Calls out to us to sing a new song to the Lord. Embrace Him for who He is. Embrace Jesus Christ as that one and only miraculous, marvelous Savior. Recognize Him as the one who has taken you from death to life, released you from captivity. See him ruling as king in your life, as king in your home, as king in your church, in your work, wherever you might go. And then know that when that final judgment comes, because Christ has revealed himself to us, because we've been given the gift of faith to know him as our own, we will face that final judgment without fear knowing that that he will judge the world in righteousness, he will judge the peoples with equity, and by his grace, we shall be taken through that judgment to a time of greater praise, more worship, and a life lived in joy in the presence of our God. The psalm speaks about the coming of Jesus Christ. It's appropriate to sing this as joy to the world, for certainly we celebrate that. Not only at Christmas time, but every day. We celebrate that God has sent His Son, a Savior, a King, and a Judge. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank You for the beauty, for the glory of Your Word, that You have revealed Yourself throughout that Word, and your way with your people. Already in the Old Testament, 
not only in the sacrifices, not only in the ceremonies, not only in the, the pictures there, but also in the Psalms. We see the revelation of Jesus Christ, who He is. He will be enthroned as King. Lord God, move our hearts, we pray, to recognize Him, to embrace Him, to know the glory of salvation, the joy of living for Him, and the assurance that as we live with Him now, we will live with Him on into eternity. Accept our praise, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.